Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is October the 27th, 2023. It's been 3,531 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 246 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. During today's podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed, and there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth – matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. Russia's use of human wave attacks has caused rapid deterioration of the situation in the Avdivka area of operation, AO, despite catastrophic losses, and the Ukrainian garrison is in the deepest salient since February 24, 2022. 2. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations, and they are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost. 3. In our assessment, there is a small chance of Ukraine attempting a larger-sized wet crossing near Kherson. 4. The soft response by Ukraine's allies after Russian aggression on Ukraine's border will eventually lead to a significant incident that could result in military intervention. 5. We assess the announced commitment made by Ukraine's allies to provide the same level of military aid in 2024 as provided in 2023 as negative news due to Russia bypassing ineffective sanctions, increasing defense production, and receiving significant support from Iran and North Korea. 6. We maintain that Russia is stockpiling missiles and drones for large-scale attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure as the weather continues to degrade. 7. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. Before I start the action report, I have a couple of quick updates in some areas where there is less activity, so we can focus on more critical news and assessments. The Kupiensk, Svatove and Kremina AOs in Kharkiv and Luhansk remain stable. The occupied city of Luhansk was hit by an M39 Block 1 Atakams missile, but we cannot provide a battle damage assessment at this time. The only fighting in the Staromlinivka AO was on the Zaporizhia-Donetsk administrative border near Priyutne. Russian shelling on the Suma Oblast killed a teenager in Velika Pusarivka. I begin in the Donbass, starting with northeast Donetsk. Russian forces continued intense spoiling attacks northwest and southwest of Bakhmut. Attempts to advance toward Bogdanivka from the north and Khromove continued. 
A prominent Russian mail blogger claimed that Russian troops crossed the drainage north of the Hromove retaining pond, without evidence. In the Klishchivka AO, fighting continued north and east of Klishchivka, east of Andreevka, and west and north of Kurdyumivka, with no change in the situation. Weather conditions are poor and likely slowed the operation tempo. In southwestern Donetsk, weather conditions and ongoing Russian troop rotations slowed the operational tempo in the Avdivka AO. But in our assessment, this is only a temporary pause. Rain and very windy conditions are predicted through October the 28th. The head of the Avdivka City Military Administration, Vitaly Barabash, discussed the weather conditions, quote, Let's put it this way. Now we hear a little less from the positions of rifle battles. They are probably less active because since the evening we have had very heavy rain and the soil is wet. In Washington, D.C., the coordinator for strategic communications of the National Security Council of the White House, John Kirby, addressed the situation in Avdivka, saying, quote, Since October the 11th, Russia has suffered significant losses during the attempted offensive including at least 125 units of armored vehicles around Avdivka and more than a battalion's worth of military equipment. We have information that the Russian military actually executed soldiers who refused to follow orders. We also have information that Russian commanders are threatening to shoot entire units if they try to retreat under the fire of Ukrainian artillery. Kirby's statement aligns with the intelligence we've evaluated indicating there has been an increase in the number of Russian refuseniks and the use of blocking troops to prevent desertion. The spokesperson for the defense forces of the Tavria region, Oleksandr Stupun, talked about Russian refuseniks in today's press briefing, saying, quote, The enemy continues to chase the infantry. He's referring to Russian blocking troops. They no longer want to go forward. There are cases of refusal, in particular by representatives of the Storm Z units, with some who are starting to rebel. Unquote. Storm Z has had a limited role in the FDFKO since October the 10th, so we cannot validate the specific claim of battlefield desertion, but we have shared intelligence about rioters within Storm Z units. The Crimean Tatar insurgent organization Atesh reported that sport fuel shortages are starting again due to the intensity of the ongoing offensive and the amount of personnel that is being transported to support it. North of Avdiivka, Russian forces continued attacks between troop rotations. Fighting occurred east of Stepove, along the railroad tracks toward Avdiivka and around the Terracon northeast of the Iron Coke plant. East of Avdiivka, Russian mail bloggers reported that Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations on the northern edge of Spartak. On the southern flank, Russian forces continued attempts to advance through the no-man's land between Vodyane and Severne, while making additional attempts to bypass Severne from the west towards Tonenka. In the Marienka and Vogledar AOs, Russian forces continued positional fighting in Marienka. South of Novomikhailivka, Russian forces suffered significant losses, with geolocated photos confirming the placement of the line of conflict lock on our war map. In the Zaporizhia Oblast, the lock remained stable in the Urikhiv AO. Mutual fighting was reported on the western edge of Verbove and north of Novoprokopivka. Russian forces continued attempts to push Ukrainian forces back to the west of Robotina, 
without success. Ukrainian source Deep State reported that Ukrainian troops had made marginal gains near Kopani and Nesteranka. In occupied Berdyansk, four Russian Federal Security Service FSB officers were killed in an explosion at the Jasmine Guest House Hotel, where they were billeted. Occupiers responded by expanding the city curfew and conducting house-to-house searches in the neighborhood. It's time to talk about the events in the Black Sea region, including Romania, Bulgaria, occupied Crimea, Odessa and Mykolaiv. Operational Command South reported there were five vessels of the Russian Black Sea Fleet on patrol, including a Kilo-class submarine capable of launching up to four caliber cruise missiles. Despite the current lull in Shahid-136 drone strikes, the Ministry of Defense of Romania has finally deployed systems for combating drones along the Danube. A follow-up to our October 26th podcast. The Ministry of Infrastructure of Ukraine said the reports that there have been loading cancellations or other work stoppages at Odessa ports are untrue. Quote, the ports of Great Odessa continue to process ships that pass through the temporary corridor. Currently, 23 vessels are loading in the ports of Odessa, Chornomorsk and Pivdenny. In Free Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported that Ukrainian forces further expanded their presence on the left bank of the Konka River, with one prominent mill blogger describing the area held as a bridgehead. In our assessment, Ukrainian forces are engaged in a shaping operation, but the mission objective remains unclear. Based on available intelligence, we would not define the landings Ukraine controls as a bridgehead. Fighting intensified in Krynke and near Pishanivka and Pitstepne, with Russian aerospace forces, VKS, dropping UMPK glide bombs. The land and sea line of communication from the Antonievsky Zaleznichny Mist railroad bridge to the bridge over the Verkhnyakonka river remains stable, and our current map is likely conservative. Ukrainian forces reported that movement across the Dnipro has become challenging and can only be done at night or in poor weather. The general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine and the Russian Ministry of Defense have been silent about the ongoing activity. In the Belgorod region of Russia, residents of Shebekina, who had their homes damaged during cross-border fighting in June, are approaching winter with no roofs and windows. Belgorod Oblast Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov is getting called out on social media and through letters to his office. Quote, Our house has not yet been restored, and when the heating was turned on, everyone up to the second floor was flooded. Unquote. The woman, who only gave her first name of Irina, added that she has to live in a rented apartment while paying for heat in her unoccupied windowless condo. Another homeowner complained that the state-hired contractors are refusing to do any work because the Russian government can't pay them. Gladkov, who had assurances from Moscow and made promises to make prompt repairs, said there was a 900 million ruble shortfall with no valuable budget to fill the gap. Partisans in the Kursk region damaged an R330ZH Zhitil electronic warfare station with a first-person view kamikaze drone. Kyiv denied it provided support to the Russian partisans, 
and praised the attack. Before I talk about theater-wide events, a quick footnote. We are covering the Israel-Hamas war and have started situation reports available through our Patreon. $5 a month gets you in-depth information about the Russia-Ukraine and Israel-Hamas war. There is a link in the podcast description. And now on to theater-wide events. The commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Ukraine, Valery Zaluzhny, met with the supreme commander of the joint NATO forces in Europe, the commander of the U.S. armed forces in Europe, General Christopher Cavoli, and the chief of the defense staff of Great Britain, Admiral Sir Tony Radekin. Quote, During the negotiations, we spoke in detail about the situation on the battlefield. We discussed our offensive and defensive operations, the situation in the most difficult directions, as well as the actions and probable plans of the enemy. We focused on the actual needs of the armed forces of Ukraine in shells, drones, and military equipment. Separately, they discussed the key issues of strengthening our air defense and covering critical infrastructure objects in the autumn-winter period. Unquote. National Security Council spokesperson Kirby said that the Russian Federation retains a certain offensive potential and said Washington believes Russia can achieve, quote, certain tactical successes in the coming months, unquote. The US, Japan and South Korea confirmed North Korea is supplying Russia with weapons and ammunition in a joint statement released by the US State Department, quote, Such arms deliveries, some of which we can confirm, will significantly increase human casualties in Russia's aggressive war. In light of Russia's attempt to continue the war with the help of North Korea, we remain determined to support Ukraine's sovereignty and its efforts to counter the consequences of Russia's aggressive war. Unquote. The foreign minister of Lithuania, Gabrielis Landsbergis, called out the European Union for failing to meet its promised ammunition delivery schedule. Quote, the EU has supplied Ukraine with 300,000 shells, and the DPRK has already supplied Russia with 350,000. The EU promised Ukraine 1 million artillery shells. We certainly have the resources to surpass North Korea. We must stop standing still while brave Ukrainians die. Unquote. Satellite images showed that Russia is rapidly expanding its defense industry despite sanctions, and factories are working 24 hours a day. Expansion is ongoing at the Kazan aviation plant, which builds Su-30 fighters, and the Dubna machine-building plant, which builds KH-23, the nuclear-capable KH-55, and KH-101 cruise missiles. Mice and rats have become a major problem in Russian positions throughout Ukraine, as the rodents seek warmer and drier locations. A combination of dry spaces and bunkers, poor sanitation standards, available food and material to turn into bedding, and pests thriving in the debris of the battlefield has caused an explosion in the population. A frustrated Russian drone operator glued a field mouse to an FPV drone and then shared the video of a strike on a Ukrainian bunker. We are not sharing the video. I hope for obvious reasons. He didn't get the cloud he was chasing, with many commanders revolted by his cruelty directed at the, quote, brave kamikaze paratrooper. Ukrainian Enterprise Metinvest has finished field testing anti-mine trolls and has starting mass production. 
Several companies have been working on developing a Ukrainian anti-mine system. Currently, Ukraine can build five a month and is looking for partners to expand production. Prime Minister of Slovakia Robert Fico officially cut off military aid to Ukraine. Echoing Kremlin talking points, Fico said, quote, It is better to negotiate peace for 10 years than to kill each other for 10 years without any result. Members of the U.S. House and Senate are saying the White House's plan to bundle military aid to Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan together, along with money for the southern border, is a non-starter. While new Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, a Republican from the state of Louisiana, said, quote, We can't allow Vladimir Putin to prevail in Ukraine because I don't believe it would stop there, unquote. He is tying continued military aid to Ukraine to deep social services cuts in the United States. Bloomberg confirmed that the EU is behind on its promised ammunition deliveries in Ukraine. Aligning with the report from Foreign Minister Landsbergis, after eight months the EU has only met 30% of its commitment. Denmark announced a $500 million aid package for Ukraine, which includes BMP-2 infantry fighting vehicles, T-72EA tanks and other weapon systems. The United States announced a $150 million military aid package using available presidential drawdown authority money. The complete list of what is being provided is in our daily situation report available to our subscribers. There is more information in the podcast description. Ukrainian officials hinted that 300-kilometer range Atakams missiles had been approved and would arrive by January. And that's today's update. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.